0: Hello, and welcome to a slightly delayed version of our usual weekend podcast, the one that we usually do on Thursday, and today we're doing it on a Friday, but you might not even be listening to it until the weekend itself. So when we're doing it hardly matters, I suppose. We're joined by our usual suspects in Washington, D.C., Dr. Kavita Patel, formerly of the Obama administration and uh, currently of the Brookings Institution and a practicing physician. Hi, Kabita. Hi, David. And in New York City, we have uh, Ryan Goodman, um, who is three or four different flavors of professor at NYU Law School and co-editor of Just Security. How are you doing,
1: Ryan? Uh, pretty well, David. Thanks.
0: Well, you know, we all should be doing pretty well. You know, I watched last night the president of the United States. He walked out. He got on television. He looked like a president. He sounded like a president. <laughs> he said you know, that things were getting better. He suggested he was doing as much as one humanly could to make things better. And then he said to the American people, but we're not out of the woods and you've really got to do your part. And it sounded incredibly um, sensible and decent and human and professional to me. Um, But, you know, I've been locked indoors for a year. Perhaps you guys have a different perspective. Kavita, this is your beat. (laughs) yes (laughs)
2: <laughs> what, yes <laughs> how did
0: how did you react? i mean did you weep tears of joy how did you react
2: i so i didn't weep tears of joy but only because i i kind of knew what was coming in the sense that uh, you know we saw some cdc guidance that did make news also about fully vaccinated people can get together with even unvaccinated people if they're not at high risk which to be honest for all the um policy nerds listening that's a big deal for the CDC, which is always overly cautious. Uh, so for them to kind of do that, and then that was on the heels of data that came out from Pfizer that essentially said that there was very little, almost zero chance, about 1% to 2% chance of asymptomatic uh, disease from from the, after they are vaccinated, which to translate means that if you're vaccinated, you can, masks off, get safely together with other fully vaccinated people and that a lot of our misery is going to be over with soon and and so that's so i was incredibly happy along with the passage of the american rescue plan and it'll be interesting to see i was i worked in the white house when we did the um obama kind of economic recovery and by the way, have you noticed this always happens after we have a Republican president that we have to do these recovery plans? It's not lost on me, but it it's it was a big week from a recovery plan perspective because in addition to direct stimulus checks and all the things that are very obvious for COVID and the pandemic, there were some little nuggets tucked in there that uh, reference and support a lot of the Affordable Care Act, sending a strong signal about what we can hopefully expect kind of after this year is with the pandemic, hopefully behind us.
0: Um, well, that's pretty, that's, uh, you know, pretty encouraging. Ryan, what was your reaction?
1: Same as both of you, essentially. Uh, I thought that, uh, you know, as you said, David, he was presidential and human. <laughs> so that I thought that that actually really came across in a way in which it played to his strengths as somebody who can empathize with a lot of people's struggles and, uh, communicate or try it as best as he can to communicate across to uh, the general public about uh, the kind of collective good and the collective effort to get ourselves through this uh, turmoil. So I, I just thought it was a tremendous moment and in many ways. And I also thought there was something nice about the uh, non entity of Donald Trump. Like it just does not seem to enter into uh, Biden's calculation, just treats him as a non entity um, which is good in terms of the future of the country. And, uh, similarly, the, you know, the video of the former, all the, um, former presidents
2: mm-hmm.
1: being vaccinated, which didn't have, uh, Donald Trump in it as a kind of an, again, a non-entity. Um, so I thought, I thought that was an important, um, there's some conversations after the speech about whether or not he should have given any credit to the prior administration for pieces of this. Um, but I thought it was very appropriate for him to give credit to science. <laughs> so, so, yeah, I, I just thought there was uh, something very good about that. And at the same time, he did have, I thought, at the beginning of his speech, there was a little bit of a political angle there where he starts talking about how much of this was mismanaged um, and how people were lied to when we began the pandemic a year ago. Um, and uh, that was important to communicate as well, I thought.
2: And that makes me, you know what, David, you asked me about crying tears of joy, Ryan's yeah comments made me recall I viscerally listening to the president's comments felt sadness because if I could have gone in my time machine that I hope to embed someday and rewound all of this where we had Biden dealing with this a year ago this were all happening a year ago when we were starting to get reports out of China and intelligence officials as you know well David knew that something was going wrong and in the physician community we knew something was going wrong but we had a president that consistently diminished, mocked, and even ridiculed science, Um, I I can't, what made me sad is thinking about how many people would have lived and how many people, you know, this this all could have been prevented. Not all of it, I should say, a large bulk of it. And that made me actually pretty sad listening to Biden.
0: It's heartbreaking. You know, when you listen to Fox and they're like, well, you know, he should have given President uh, Trump Uh. credit for what he did. And it's like, well, you want to give him credit for having done too little too late and being responsible for the deaths of several hundred thousand people? You know, this guy is going to go down in history as being responsible for one of the greatest mass, unnecessary mass slaughter. I mean, no mass slaughter is necessary, but one of the greatest mass slaughters in our history. And and, and, you know, I think that that weighed on me because Biden didn't come out and say anything amazing. He didn't do anything that you go, oh, I wish I, would, I never would have thought of that. Essentially, he went to the this is what presidents do playbook, and he did it. Mm-hmm. You know, he he's, he's said, well, let's pull out all the stops, try to save people, try to take care of people. But, you know, Ryan, one of the things that's, interesting to me about all of this is that also this week we had this um american rescue plan passed by the house and by the um senate signed by the president 1.9 trillion dollar package that is you know one of the most consequential packages in you know legislative packages in american history Will lift in in the year 2021 as 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 much as 52 percent of all children out of poverty. Um, uh, a third of all families out of poverty. Um, if the the child credit program that's part of it is carried forward, it's only one year in this plan. Uh, it could keep the 40 percent of of children out of poverty in perpetuity. So a social legislation, it's profound. Um, but it also provides the foundations for recovery of all of this. Um, and it really, it, it harkens back to kind of, you know, the New Deal or some of the stuff that LBJ did. Of course, Ryan, I, I wrote a column for the Daily Beast today in which I suggested that Joe Biden, for this reason and, and about 10 others that I mentioned, is actually turning out to be pretty progressive and needless to say i got absolutely slaughtered on twitter by bernie <laughs> brown who were like well, how dare you call him a progressive you know because we haven't done this yet or he hasn't done this perfectly um and uh again you know biden i think is just sort of confounding everybody because he's He's listening to the whole party. You know, he's listening to Elizabeth Warren. You know, I mean, you know, in in an area where you guys, I think, are going to come in, uh, you know, the the legal community is going to be very interested. I think Uh, he's appointing some very aggressive Elizabeth Warren uh, associated people uh, to look at uh, um, big tech, antitrust and big tech.
2: Tim Wu. Yeah, that was... That's I I feel like that kind of slipped in under a little bit of under the radar with all the kind of stuff coming out this week. But adding someone like Tim Wu to the National Economic Council, you know, just uh, one floor kind of above the president. That's a big deal.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's I mean, and you can, you know, the most pro-union president probably since Roosevelt you know the mm-hmm. the 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 more green initiative so far and the next big thing is green infrastructure um the most diverse administration in history looking at a bunch of other issues more more uh gender the only gender balanced administration in history it's it's kind of amazing to me um but you probably anticipated all of this Ryan and knew this is how it was going to happen <laughs>
2: that's right
0: that's
1: right um no, i i think there's a lot right about what you say, and you know, I wonder if some of this will be replicated, in some respects, by uh, Garland um, at the Justice Department, just in terms of that as a microcosm of this. Somebody who you might paint as more of a moderate or a centrist, but because of that uh, platform, has the ability to really push through, working with a team and a diverse team, uh, push through more progressive uh, parts of the agenda and. Um, I, you know, I think that's another, you know, news development from the week or something that's now over the sheer, uh, over the near term horizon, how Garland will operate in the Justice Department now that he's there.
0: Yeah, I mean, do, do you anticipate that this great team of people in the supporting cast, Lisa Monaco, Vanita Gupta, and so forth, um, are going to make it through? I, I noticed Vanita Gupta was having a kind of a Ugh, rough
2: time. Hard. Yeah, that was rough
1: yeah I, I I can't imagine Lisa Monaco getting um, held up. She as doesn't have like a Twitter profile. <laughs> she um, is very much in some sense uh, understood as a center centrist, mm-hmm. um, has worked on key national security issues through her career and at an extraordinarily successful level. I, I'm sure she'll generate a lot of support, so I think she'll be in place. I do not know, um, you know, what the future holds for other people being in place, um, because well, I gotta, they I are I trying gotta, to pick off some people.
0: If there is a message here, Kavita, it is that Indian women yeah. should never
2: tweet. <laughs> <laughs> you, <laughs> you know, you now yeah. know. You asked me weeks ago, Kavita, are you going to go into the white well? It's very obvious what that answer is, by the way. But yes, because you've tweeted. A...
0: <clears> Have you mean tweeted? I,
2: I mean, haven't. So I'm going to be honest with you. I agree completely. By the way, I think Nira was the um, confirmation sacrifice. we know every administration has, well, let's say the Trump administration's been an outlier in so many respects. Most administrations have had kind of the nominee that goes down and there's almost kind of a political calculus, no matter what people tell you, they'll go down. I, when I saw Nira's nomination, who I've worked with her, both in the Senate and in the Obama administration, when I saw her nomination come forward for OMB first, I was very worried she would become that person for a lot of different reasons. And Vanita, that was a rough hearing. I watched parts of it and, and I know Vanita and she's incredible and you're absolutely right David Ryan I do think she'll get confirmed because I think a lot of this is the hey we just want to remind you kind of who runs the world kind of senate posturing of the Republican party but I don't I don't think it'll be as controversial Becerra's vote was delayed if you notice they've been holding Becerra out a little bit so I think they are trying to remind you know the tension between the Senate and the White House they're trying to remind people kind of who's in charge but um, I have not mean tweeted. The only two politicians, and I, I know better because of my upbringing in the Senate, I've taken on Ted Cruz because he deserves it um, and, and uh, Trump himself and anybody associated with the Trump administration. But it's funny how some of us who know that there might be a confirmation in our future, we're very careful about tweeting about politicians. Very careful for this reason.
0: I'll be doing podcasting for the next forty years. Yeah.
2: No, we're trying <laughs> to get you. To
0: I, be an, Deborah, is, I
2: am still going to get you to be an ambassador to India. That's my goal. Oh, I all, now,
0: I would love that. I, I know.
2: One day, one either Ryan, you, me, Pres- the, or somebody in, has in the, to be able to make it happen. Well, so, yes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. In the Goodman or the Patel administrations, yeah. I am
2: sure I will. <laughs> uh, and by
0: the way, vice versa.
2: If i if i it's
1: a deal um, it is
2: it's a it's a pack. you've heard it here deep state yeah. deep state listeners there's it, some people have all kinds there are all kinds of packs that go around we have a pact we've got yeah, a we've we've a, got a pact
0: yeah. okay good i I feel better about my future um go let's let me go back Ryan to the point that you made about merrick garland again you know i before we came on there, I was talking to kavita about the the lingering uh, sort of c- c- toll that COVID is taking on all of us. I think I'm really an emotional basket case. Cause I like saw a 30-second video of Merrick Garland driving up to the Justice Department and and everybody lining up in front and applauding for him. And I got like a tear streaming down my face. And I'm like, you know, like, <laughs> what, what's going on here? Like, I'm like a bath. How how can I be so fragile? But I thought of the whole saga of Merrick Garland. Mm-hmm. And here's this right. guy, and and finally getting some, you know, this this kind of validation, recognition. But what do you think his? What changes now that he's there? What is his like agenda, or is the agenda simply restoring normalcy to
1: the DOJ? I mean, what do you what do you think is important? What would you look for? So I think that the one top part of his agenda is definitely. In- restoring integrity and um, the equilibrium back to the DOJ and uh, an independent DOJ, DOJ, independent from the White House in many respects, in in important respects. But I also worry that that might then trade off with another part of the agenda, uh, which could be issues of accountability. Um, So... you know, he will be inheriting, I imagine, many choice, many uh, decisions that have to be made about Trump and Trump-associated um, cases. And I just think of it like he's going to have binders full of perps, <laughs> perpetrators, to consider maybe over this particular weekend. So we have the Associated Press recently reported that the DOJ has been essentially holding a case involving Rudy Giuliani with respect to whether or not he was an unregistered foreign agent of Ukrainian interests for Garland to have to make that call. Um, second one, individual number one in the Michael Cohen case was Donald Trump. I can imagine that is being held for the uh, confirmed attorney general to make a decision. Um, Roger Stone, the New York Times, Times reported that there has been quote unquote debates going on within the Department of Justice as to whether or not to uh, uh, open a full investigation on Roger Stone for January 6th. I can imagine those debates will be settled by the confirmed attorney general. So I think those are two parts of the agenda. Um, And then another one um, that I think will cast a very different path from the last four years is racial justice issues um, at the Justice Department. Maybe starting first with um, sheer personnel issues. So, just one statistic that I thought was is an important one from November of 2020. White males made up 79 of the 93 U.S. attorney's offices. Wow, 79 of 93. So you could start from just there um, wow. and then um, obviously other really important racial justice issues both in terms of what the Department of Justice can do in its own terms and then I've thought about other ways in which maybe an attorney general could uh, support certain kinds of legislation um, that can't be done from the Justice Department alone and I think that has to be an important part of his agenda.
0: Yeah, if white males make up 79 of 93 slots uh, gender justice is as important in there as, as racial right. justice. I right. and like I, to,
2: David, can I ask Ryan about what you kind of, how, I was curious, you didn't mention it, but I, I feel like it's underlying it, the voting rights, the executive order, and what's unfolding in front of the Supreme Court. And if you're Merrick Garland coming into that, what are you trying to think about in terms of levers you can push? Because I, I it, the more we come kind of through COVID, the more I've become hyper aware. David, you, you've tweeted or, and written about it both. Ryan, you did that lovely like voting kind of piece. I feel like that's going to be our next kind of pandemic is this assault on voting rights. What, what does the DOJ get to do there?
1: Um, the way that I th- thought about that too for Garland in particular is that his entire tenure at the Justice Department might turn dramatically in, in this in this space might turn dramatically on whether or not HR1 gets passed. Yeah. If HR one gets passed, it's an entirely different universe, and everything that we're seeing these ugly but, but, forms oh, of wait disenfranchisement. Wait a second. Sorry. There's no way. No way. HR one is getting passed.
2: That's right. I'm here to vote and tell you there's. I'm, I'm just being. <laughs> I am. I am going to disagree. I. I. I know that this will get incredible blowback. It's not going to hmm. pass. But it's nice to think it could. And I know that's terrible of me to say, but it's not going to pass.
0: But the Republicans in the Senate, that this is that this is that would be like, you know, just all of them taking hemlock. It would be. Um.
2: I'm. And then that's why I asked Ryan. I guess Ryan, I'm operating on the pretest probability that HR one <laughs> has a zero percent chance of passing. And you, and so then you know what do you do? What is your like? And so you think there's you
1: no wiggle room for um, cinema and mansion to uh, say for this particular piece of legislation, they understand that you can't. If if you're if the if, if the whole point of the filibuster is to protect minority votes, right, right, minority voice, then that shouldn't take place for legislation that's trying to protect minority.
2: <laughs> well, no,
0: that you make a good so, point. You make a does. good point. I mean, we're going to actually do another show with Norm and Adam Jentleson in a couple of oh, weeks about, around this. But you know that is one of the things people are talking about now is kind of partial filibuster reform mm-hmm. yeah. where you pick a couple of categories.
2: And agree that you can yeah that's it but I, I don't think voting anyway i yeah i i'm not so sure voting rights is it so i
0: well but yeah. also i mean wouldn't ryan if 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 it doesn't pass and the justice department says you can't do this you can't do this you can't do this that's just going to end up in a barrage of lawsuits and it's all going to end up you know in the lap of
1: you know um the supreme court right and uh,
2: that's
1: a very ugly um Good point Situation. Ugly, ugly scenario, right? Yeah.
2: Although, if you listen to the arguments in front of the Supreme Court, from I mean, th- they're doing themselves in a bit. It'll be interesting to see if the justices care or not. If you listen to some of the oral arguments last week, two weeks ago, Ryan, you you tweeted, I think, about anyway. It's uh, it's becoming very evident through that oral argument process that uh, the intentions of you know the Sunday kind of cha- the changes in voting laws are intentionally to help kind of Republicans and people not, want not
0: to. kind of sort of Kagan did this. I don't know if you follow this, Ryan, but I'm sure you did actually. But I mean, Kagan did this amazing deconstruction of the Arizona arguments mm-hmm. in front of the court. And the guy from Arizona said, yeah. Oh no, we do this because otherwise we'll lose. You know, I mean, it was, it was pretty blatant. It was, <laughs> um, you know, they always say the quiet part out loud. You know, Kavita, one of the things that gets me about this, and I'm, you, both you and Ryan, we, we just 15 minutes ago noted that some number of hundreds of thousands of Americans died because of government negligence, because of decisions made by people in government to benefit themselves politically at the expense of the American people. Mm-hmm. Um, and because of decisions made by them in some cases to benefit their friends and cronies with contracts um, or to give them priority, and at the federal level, but in the state of Florida, et cetera. Um, in a normal world, it, it would seem to me, you know, I mean, if we hadn't just had an insurrection and The prior president hadn't been the most corrupt president in American history, and we were not facing massive racial divisions in the country. Wouldn't that be something for the Department of Justice to look I mean, this is a crime, Mm -hmm. a a massive crime that resulted in hundreds of thousands of deaths was committed. and, And shouldn't there be some sort of accountability before the law for that kind
2: of thing? Yeah, I'd be curious what Ryan thinks. That's why I I know that there's still the momentum in discussion, which we've had on the show about the 1-6 kind of commission. I've, I'm i still waiting for the, what the, you know, what the fuck happened with like a, some accountability for COVID. And it's not just Trump. I, I think it's, across the board to your point and and by the way i'm still waiting for some accountability for kind of migrant like the safety and kind of what we've done on the border i gave up on that but you would have thought that at least a half a million americans dying that that actually mattered but
0: but kavita if you had a patient and the patient said uh doctor i I, i've got a a lump here and i i really got to see you today and you said Sorry, I've got to go play golf. Or you yeah, know, it would look bad for me. You mm-hmm. you would be sued in 2
2: seconds. I'd be sued in my board I'd be I'd be under investigation with my license being either suspended or taken away and rightfully so. And you're right, that's exactly why I've thought you know, we hold everyone else. We hold grocery store workers accountable if there's an uh, something in the aisle and someone slips and somehow you can be president of the United States or a Trump appointee, not even a political appointee, uh, sorry, not even you know elected, but a political appointee and have no accountability. And even uglier, it's kind of the revolving door of DC. We haven't talked about it on the show, but David, I will tell you, the Trump people are getting jobs. They're not getting high glamorous, you know, high profile Airbnb and Uber jobs. They're getting well-paid lobbyist jobs and starting, you know, come lobby with us.com and getting clients. So the door continues unless somebody can put a wedge in it and I'm, you know, I'm looking to Ryan as our legal expert who's going to do that, when and how and they feel like nobody wants well, well, to.
0: Ryan, why is it that all <laughs> your legal experts don't care
1: about all the people who died of covid? <laughs> That's right. Right. And I I mean, I have gotten the que- I get, you know, get the question quite a bit about like why isn't what Trump did criminal negligence? Um yeah. or things like yeah. that. Um and I haven't, to be honest, like studied it closely to see whether or not there's any conceivable way in which the law itself could include that. It doesn't seem likely. I do think what does seem possible is part of what I think David you were alluding to in the initial question or commentary that you made about this, which is there actual public corruption with respect to how some of this was handled by the White House in terms of contracts that were given out and things like that. And it was actually on this show, I always remember it, um, with Olivia Troy, where she alluded to that with more specifics. She actually said something to the effect of "there that's either under investigation or will be or should be under investigation for criminal uh, matters. And so... What actually gets that started? Maybe there is something in the Justice Department, or if there is some kind of a commission or congressional investigation that turns up that evidence, maybe there's something there.
0: Well, one 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 can hope that there there is something there. Um, Kavita, just going back to the 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 news of the week, um, in terms of uh, Biden and his and and his speech about um, COVID. Um he was trying to sort of set expectations that by D- July 4th there will be a degree of normalcy.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And and uh and you know, he said by May first he is I think instructing all the states to make right. vaccine available to everybody. Right. Um I'll tell you what I think is going to happen, and this is based on entirely on having been locked in my basement for a year. But, um, but, but what I think is going to happen is the dam's going to burst. I just, people have been, you know, what I'm saying. I mean, even the best mm-hmm. intentioned people I know have been inside. Yeah. And as soon as they like get a vaccine or they get, you know, you know, one yeah. shot or two, they're like, okay. You know, let's, let's go to Vegas, you know, or whatever, you know, I mean, Uh actually, I don't know anybody who said that, but, (laughs) but, but but I just, I just have this feeling something's gonna happen. Mm -hmm. And then I look at Europe and, and in Italy and elsewhere in Europe, there's some real problems.
2: Yeah. Oh, you're absolutely, it's why I think we're going to have, I don't know what you want to call it, a fourth surge or an increase in cases. We're going to have it. And it's because of what you described. I talked to a friend who, um, believe it or not, a physician who turned into a travel agent. Tells you how bad it is in medicine these days, right? Particularly since there are
0: no travel agents anymore. Well, that's what I
2: said. I said says something about the state of American healthcare that being a travel agent was a better option for your career. She said that she's, it's like saying I
0: I was a physician, but I'm now (laughs) going to open a blockbuster video.
2: Yeah, pretty much. But she, she said that it's incredible just in the last two to three weeks that that, that exact sentiment, the combination of the country getting a little bit more warmer temperatures and your point, David is spot on. It's why I, I know we're going to have, we've had our friend Lori talk about this. Lori and Mike Osterholm, um, have have been consistent in, in a bit of the uh, we're in the eye of the hurricane and like everything's going to happen I'm not sure I share the depth of that distress and I know that that's uh we rarely like to l- disagree with each other but I do disagree I think the dam is going to burst the impact of that dam bursting will not be as bad as what we have seen previously but it's going to feel like a bit of a slap because people are going to die in cases and we're going to have this and we're going to have more and more people vaccinated who are like, look, I can't, sorry, I can't do any more of this. And I think that Biden was being conservative. Just so you know, I do think that small gatherings, people kind of going and traveling and hanging out, that's happening now. It's going to happen well in advance of July 4th. I think by July 4th, we might see the CDC actually put guidance out on that, but we'll be doing, including myself. A lot of us are just We've seen the data on vaccines and asymptomatic transmission, and I'm not as scared it, it, now that I've seen that data. And so I will wear my mask in the public, but I'm gonna get together with people and I'm gonna actually go to a restaurant for the first time in about a year. So that's that's good news. Can I
1: ask you, um, just to follow up to that. Um, so maybe that answers the question that I've had about the new CDC guidance. Mm-hmm. So I thought of the CDC guidance as trying to strike a certain kind of a balance, and the balance is they're trying to incentivize more people to get the vaccine, and the way you incentivize more people to get the vaccine is by telling them that they can do things after right. they get it, <laughs> and, the, and and and, yep. the, and the and the and if you were basing it just on the science, you might actually say. I wouldn't do all of those things um, because they actually Mm -hmm. are risky. Yes, you aren't going to be, we're not encouraging you to go to things that could become super spreader events, but we are actually saying that you can go and do things that might be actually might spread um, the disease. And I just, I I just worry about that in some sense. That's not some sense. They have been uh, honest because they sometimes say, look, we're saying this in order to encourage people to get vaccinated, but Thinking of it a different way, like with respect to um, HIV Mm -hmm. um, and STDs, you know, the answer was always, you know, the safest form of sex is abstinence. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, So it's a difficult public health question what you want to communicate to people. But here, it's only a question of like, in an ideal world, it would actually be abstinence for the next two months, and then we're all safe.
2: (laughs) That's right. Yeah, I think you're acknowledging that what the CDC tried to do is, you're right, they did try to strike a balance. I'm not so sure having worked in the government um, and watched the CDC operate, I'm not so sure they were as uh, strategic as you might want to suggest that, you know, this message will get more people to get vaccinated. But I do think that this was taking science, um, at least seven studies that were kind of what I'll call preliminary or sub studies or non-US based studies uh, and some US-based studies that show this degree of asymptomatic transmission is very low, not zero. but Ryan, to your point, what I think they're trying to communicate is that we're going to have to as a country manage some risk it's it's not going to be zero. there is not there is to your point, the only way to kind of have a quote zero percent risk is to not leave your basement for not just two more months but you know x more months. And so they they acknowledge through this guidance, which is why, A lot of people came down harsh on the CDC. I actually think for the CDC, this was incredibly um, bold because of exactly what you said. And, And I do think more Americans, and I'll say this just very briefly, if I reflect on what we have not done well, including myself, it's communicating these complex public health and science issues. We tried so hard to adhere to the studies and the data that we failed to acknowledge your point exactly um, and I was taking care of patients when it was still called GRID, kind of gay-related infectious disease, and we tried so hard to say, well, you you just can't have sex, you can't have MSM sex. It never worked, and so you know that to your point, that is a bit of an acknowledgement about what I'd call the real world um, aspect of this that we're going to have to manage some risk. Where I was disappointed is that they should have taken that a step further and acknowledged that people are traveling, and even if the recommendation is please don't travel. If you are going to travel, here's how to stay safe and that probably would have been a bit more helpful.
0: I have to say that's just not possible that you were practicing medicine when I was, was still I, well, I wasn't
2: practicing. I was a medical student. Oh, what were you student. like 8? I was you were, no, I was a medical kit student in your house. <laughs> <laughs> I was a medical student and we had I remember all too well ha- haunting floors of people that came in with grid then you know HIV we eventually called it HIV. And they just all died, and I, I, I will never forget kind of the rows and rows of rooms. All of them would just die, and you know what's amazing? That's what when I think about how far we've come, and that in under a year we developed vaccines for COVID, I will say it, that that's the other part of this. It's like a it has nothing to do with Joe Biden or Donald Trump, quite frankly. It has everything to do with. The private sector and its ability in a capital market to invest in research—they did it, knowing they'll make profits. Look at the stocks for all three of the manufacturers in the United States. They did not get hurt by this; they got helped. But it is not lost on me how much um, science plus some money. Well, the other
0: the other side of it is is that we had decades of
2: yes uh, research.
0: movies and films about the h- horrible tragedy of AIDS. Yeah, it was it was this great, torturous thing. Yeah. More more people have died in the past year of COVID
2: than than died of
0: AIDS in 30 years,
2: which is why I'm looking for accountability. Getting back to Ryan's (laughs) getting back to why I I want one day to have a lawsuit. You know, every doctor in the United States versus Donald Donald Trump. Maybe that's how (laughs) maybe maybe the civil suit route is what we'll have to do. This is your
0: way to make some money, Ryan. I yeah. just want you to
2: there we go right. <laughs> put about together
0: that lawsuit with all those people who can pay. I think there's a real opportunity yeah. <laughs> uh, we can make another
1: pact uh, at,
0: let, let me ask one other small question to Kavita on this, then we'll go back to something else. But last night, I watched um Rochelle Walensky after the the speech of Biden. she was on CNN. She did a little thing with uh, Anderson Cooper. She did exactly what you were talking about. She took these complicated issues and explained, you know, why it was okay. I don't know. There was some question from Sanjay Gupta or something like this about why is it okay to, um, uh, I forget what it was, go to school or something, and not okay to fly in a plane. But something like that. (laughs) Yeah. And she Mm -hmm. broke it down. And, and, and I thought she was great. I don't know. Do you think the new CDC is performing better?
2: I mean, just having her as a leader and she has such great respect, ironically, kind of from the HIV community, because that's been her area of research in Boston. Uh, She has incredible respect. There's still a lot of work to be done. I think across all the agencies to Ryan's point, the career staff have been either decimated or their morale has been struck. So she's definitely doing as good of a job and I think as a public face of the CDC, she's incredible. I I do know that there's a lot of work still to be done at the CDC. You led David by talking about these kind of private contracts and data that has to do um, with just the fact that there has been no investment for several administrations on data infrastructure. So I hope coming out of this, that public health uh, vis-a-vis people like Rochelle Walensky and, and others gets a, a kind of a renaissance where it's appreciated. And, and you but I do think just in all fairness, even Fauci suffered from this very complex, you, you recall this complex conversations about risk and I don't know, and masks and, and, and we, we didn't do as, you know, I give us like a C plus on communicating some of these concepts. He
0: he got off on the wrong foot. Let's just you know, I mean, he said some right. things that he shouldn't have said. Right,
2: right. That's
0: that's 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 just the, the
2: and and the medical establishment, including myself, didn't want to you know you for somebody who's literally literally written the textbook. I've got it somewhere behind me literally written the textbook on medicine. It's very interesting kind of calling um, calling things to question, right? We're trained as doctors to respect hierarchy and authority. And it's been very interesting to reflect on what probably we should have questioned a lot earlier.
0: So having heard all this, Ryan, are you going to handle your family differently?
1: Are kids, you know, going to go to, are you going to go on vacation? No. <laughs> Um, so two things are: one is you see, I still think that the CDC guidance is managing risks, and so I actually personally think for an individual determination, I'm more risk averse than that. So I'm willing to make different trade-offs. Um, mm-hmm. So so um, and then also just one other point, and I'm also advised <laughs> and counselled by my spouse, who's trained in infectious disease and worked as a fellow um, for uh, Rochelle uh, Walensky. At Harvard uh, uh, MGH. And when we heard of the appointment of uh, Dr. Walensky, we're absolutely thrilled. She is a brilliant human being. And part of her brilliance is working with uh, data crunching models and comparing different interventions and their outcomes. She's just a, um, in terms of that level of respect that she has in the infectious disease community, in the medical community, in the research community, um, she's a and, and it's been great to see how effective she is. As you say, David, I, I watched the same interview on, C, on CNN as a public communicator um, about this, I think, is instills uh, enormous confidence, I think, in the general public who doesn't even uh, know her.
0: Well, I thought, you know, like Sanjay Gupta thought, oh, I got her, you know. Yes. And and I'm going to, here's this choice that, right. you know, and she just said, no, this is, you know, in this circumstance, here's what the data says in that circumstance, here's what the data says, we're going to follow the data. There's too many people traveling this weekend. We're not going to, you know, that creates upticks, you know, we'll follow that later. And I was like, man, you know, she, there was a level of granularity there that allowed her to be, you know, sort of honest and not seem to be equivocating. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, you know, again, you know, it's interesting, but it comes to the end of the day on this thing. I, I hate to go back and I, and I still don't, get a royalty on this, but that the thing that is a problem with pandemics is infodemics. You know, the thing that's a problem (laughs) is that there is this layer of panic, misunderstanding, lies, you know, et cetera, that put people at risk. And we had a president who lied last time, who made the people around him lie, um, or who suppressed information and who promoted uh, disinformation. And last night we had a president who came out and he said, here's where we are. Here's what we're doing. Here's what the problem is. We had a head of the CDC who said, throw me your questions. I'll try to answer them as best as I can. And all of a sudden you found that the best antidote or the the, the best, you know, sort of um, uh, uh, step you can take in the face of a pandemic is to tell the truth.
2: (laughs) What a concept.
0: Well, you know, it sounds like a bold concept, but it's actually the opposite of what they did the last time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it, it does lead to one question. I know it's the question on Ryan's mind. Um, Kavita, you said you're going to a restaurant. What kind of restaurant?
2: Oh, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to go with uh, my husband, who's fully vaccinated, and sit outdoors. And uh, I think it's a seafood restaurant. So, uh, but not raw food. Not this can't be transmitted through food. I just don't want raw sushi. So yes, I it will. It can't
0: be transmitted through food. It,
2: it is not. Tra- there has been zero cases of transmission of COVID. And there's
0: no, food. there's no like fomite issue, is there?
2: No, I think there was one report um, that I, now people are kind of questioning, but no, there has been, just to go back to data, there has been zero cases from transmission of a fomite. So again, that's an area where, remember, that was all stuff that was done in kind of a lab setting, and that then, pr- mm. that then triggered an incredible number of us to all you know put like our cardboard boxes in garages for 24 or 48 hours, et cetera, and handle groceries with gloves. So, yeah, you, know, you know, that's uh, anyway. Yes, I'll be going to a restaurant. <laughs>
0: no, no, we're, 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 we're glad to hear. It. Well, you know, it's the weekend and uh, I have to say we guys have been doing this for a while. And there have been a lot of weeks that have been absolutely brutal. And there's a lot of troubling stuff going on, obviously, still. But this was a week that sort of ended on a higher note. Um, with, you know, an administration that seemed to have its act together, seems to be getting its team together, seems to be moving in the right direction. Even the Democrats, even feckless Democrats of, you know, I'm a card-carrying feckless Democrat, um, managed to get a massive piece of legislation through the Congress, showed some courage in doing it. And now, you know, their next move is to do it again. (laughs) Next thing up is going to be a big thing. So I don't know. My last question for both of you is, are you feeling a little better at the end of this week?
2: Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yes. I, I, I can tell that we are actually going to have some degree of normalcy, whether you want to say July 4th, I would actually argue a little sooner just because I do think that vaccinations, we're seeing a bit of a flywheel kind of on the ground. We're now seeing enough supply that's coming despite how horribly hard it is still with these IT sites. We know and have been getting kind of projections for weeks of advanced supply. And I I do think that this is going to unfold pretty quickly now.
0: Yeah, and um, and and you're you're Mr. Pessimism. On our second podcast of the week, you know, in the first podcast, Ro- Rosa Brooks wears the thorny crown of entropy, and Corey Shockey wears the tiara of optimism. Ryan, on the second podcast, do you hold the thorny crown of entropy?
1: Well, I'll just say um, I feel much better uh, at the end of this podcast than I did at the beginning, and I'm out very honestly because of um, Kavita's. Um, extraordinary expertise and uh honesty about the the facts and the situation that we're in so to me you know i hope the listeners get the same benefit out of this in a certain sense of just how incredibly important and informative it is to have this exchange with you Kavita. i, I really it does actually uh, speak to me in different ways about Uh, where we're headed Um, does your wife
0: listen to the podcast
1: I know I'm gonna have to (laughs) it's very funny you say that I was taking some notes of things I need to tell her right after we get off
2: (laughs) Tell her, tell can, her t- did you say? I'm sorry, darling. Did you look at the footnotes in the current CDC guidance and see some of the studies <laughs> about asymptomatic transmission? What do you think of that, Tell her. That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> what do
1: you think of fomites with the new variant? No. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. She's going to be like, wait a minute, Ryan. right? right. I think <laughs> so, so
2: yeah,
0: dinner table conversation <laughs> at that the. That's right. <laughs> wow, must be fantastic. Um, all right i uh, I feel better too thanks to uh, yukavita also thanks to Ryan. I, I I like the idea of a functioning department of justice uh and I'd like to talk a little bit more about that as over the next week or two um, as we sort of see them uh move into action um uh, so uh let's 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 do that I mean, we also had some interesting developments um Jane Meyer had an excellent story in The New Yorker today about Cyrus Vance, the Manhattan district attorney, and that he's actually going to step down at the end of the year. Uh, So it means in all likelihood, it's going to be somebody else who's going to have to pick up the ball on the Trump cases. Um, And we'll have to see, have to see where that all leads Um, in any event, we'll do that in the future. For those of you who are interested in what we're doing in the future, go to the DSR network. Um, And while you're at the DSR network, because we made you feel good, go to the membership thing, And sign up for good. Like, it's like a latte a month. You know, you can skip a latte a month and then you can provide a little money. And then that enables us to, um, you know, do all these different kinds of podcasts and things of which we're doing four or five a week. And we've got some good ones coming next week. So the DSRnetwork.com. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you, Kavita. And, uh, you know, stay healthy, everybody. Uh, Bye-bye.